Welcome to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from July 16th, 1997. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you good evening, good morning as the case may dictate, from time zone to time zone, stretching in the west from the Tahitian and Hawaiian Island chains, eastward over flyover country, many of us to the Caribbean, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, south into South America, north to the pole, and worldwide on the Internet. This is Coast to Coast AM. Good morning, I'm Art Bell, and I want to serve you notice at the beginning of the program that what we are going to discuss is, without a doubt, going to disturb some people. And so, as you hear what the content of this evening's show is going to be, if you are one of those people, go turn your radio off. Do you believe in magic? Do you? Magic? Things you cannot understand and put your hand on, or as we say in Dreamland, things that do not fit so easily into a box. Things that may well be true, but you can't quite prove. Do you believe in witchcraft? Do you believe in revenge? Do you believe in protection? Yes, these are the areas we're going to enter this morning. It is, a, it is a door that you may not wish to open for yourself. And if you don't, then I'm serving you notice right now. Turn, turn the radio to a different station. Go listen to a little country music. Soothe your soul. Whatever. <laughs> My guest is going to be Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Uh, Dr. Paglini, uh, for lack of a better term, is a witch. And... Um, in all the months and maybe even years of searching that I have um, engaged in with regard to this sort of topic, I have never, until Evelyn Paglini, Dr. Uh, Evelyn Paglini, have I run into somebody that I consider to be the real McCoy. It occurred uh, toward the end of one of my shows, in which I typically would... Um, reach out and try to find somebody uh, who is a, I think my words were broom riding, cauldron stirring witch, <laughs> you know, the real thing. Uh, and I would joke and say the kind of uh, witch that you would find squished under Dorothy's house, perhaps. Well, obviously those are stereotypes that... Uh, that don't necessarily um, uh, necessarily fit uh, Dr. Evelyn Paglini, but uh, I can assure you, ladies and gentlemen, that um, you're about to hear the real McCoy. And so those of you who are reborn, those of you who are um, devout, devout Christians and uh, feel that your sensitive ears would be offended by what's coming, uh, you should... Um, extinguish your radio or change the channel. And that's really an honest and fair warning I'm giving you. I understand there will be some people disturbed by this. So leave. Um, so that's what's coming up here shortly. Now, I've got one thing, that I, a couple things I need to cover up front with you uh, this night. One is, um, we have heard about, in fact, we talked with Marianne Koch. You may recall Marianne Koch. Uh, she is the person who found the Salem-Slayton-Oregon crop circle. And we had a diagram of it 
Um, but nobody has had a photograph of the Salem Slate and Oregon crop circle until now. And I want to thank uh, Marianne Koch for sending me probably nigh on to about 30 aerial photographs of this crop circle in Oregon. And I want to stress to you that what you're about to see, in my opinion, uh, if you will search back in your memory and recall the, the show, multiple shows we have done on crop circles, which are fascinating things, uh, with Doug Ruby and Linda Moulton Howe, you will perhaps recall that in the early 90s, maybe even as uh, early as 1989, uh, a more simplistic crop circle formation began in England. Uh, the crop circles in England became increasingly complex as the years went by. If you look at the exclusive uh, picture that we have on our website tonight of this incredible Salem, Slayton, Oregon crop circle, provided by, thank you very much, Marianne Koch, um, I think you will find that it bears a, a, a shocking resemblance to the early crop circles in England. And so it may well be that what began as a lesson in England, and with the exception of people like Doug Ruby, went unrecognized for what it is, has now begun here. And we have the proof. So I suggest you go up to my website for a couple of reasons tonight, but uh, one, to see two separate photographs that I chose of this incredible crop circle. The lesson is beginning in America, and I've got the proof, the exclusive proof. Uh, the web address, if you uh, have web TV, not you ought to have, uh, or you've got a computer, uh, you know, whatever way you can manage to get up there is www.artbell.com. That's www.artbell.com. Second item, our Tri-Cam Studio Cam is back in normal operation this evening. And you can see me, if you so desire, sitting here doing the program. And it's going to be a particularly interesting program. So if you go up there and you click on the Studio Tri-Cam, uh, you'll actually sit there and, you know, every 30 or 45 seconds, the uh, photograph will refresh in a new sort of technology that provides an extremely high-quality photograph. It is not streaming video, but rather a series of extremely high-quality photographs. So you can go up and take a look at that. We received, and I say we, my wife and I received, um, a very unusual box uh, earlier today. Today? Um, and along with it, uh, in this box, with many, many things that we will talk of, uh, a letter which said, Dear Mr. Bell, I have sent you an arsenal to help you achieve your goals and protect you and those you love. Please give me a call at your convenience. There are so many wonderful tools to assist you, and with meditation, visualization, candle burning, imitative and sympathetic magic, all you need is the power of your mind. The essential oils have been blended and energized according to the formulas passed down to me. 
Hope your lovely wife enjoys some of the scents and the massage and bath oils. Also, the sacred silver sage smudge sticks are an excellent cleansing tool the black salt and sulfur can protect and purify. When you're ready to learn a little about natural magic, please call me. Me is Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Or should I say that's who she is? Mr. Bell, if you took outer limits, one step beyond, and more, you might have an idea of my childhood and upbringing. A psychic, parapsychologist, doctor of divinity, founded, uh, founder of the International Psychic Center. In 1972, a research and investigative organization. Metaphysical teacher, lecturer, consultant, spiritual warrior. Called upon as an authority on the occult and the supernatural by law enforcement agencies. Set precedent in the Texas Superior Court System in a child abuse case with ritual overtones. Worked with law enforcement on missing persons and murder cases. Born and raised in a family of century-old occultists and practitioners of natural magic. Trained in natural magic by my grandfather from the age of four. Here is Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Uh, doctor, welcome to the program. Thank you, and welcome to you. <laughs> Your doctorate is in parapsychology, is that correct? That's one of them, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably, uh, according to the li- literature I have here, I, I mischaracterized you. You called in that night that I was calling for the cauldron stirring a uh, uh, broom-riding witch. You remember that? Yes, I do, sir. Um, so I, I would imagine that witch would probably not be the appropriate really the appropriate term, or is it? Well, I don't follow a Wiccan coven. Uh-huh. I don't belong to Gardnerian or Saxon or some of the other sects of Wicca, but I practice natural magic, and I am a Genesean, which is another pagan religion that is very much into natural magic. And so, therefore, we use similar tools as those that are practicing uh, forms of Wicca, other forms of voodoo, or Santeria, um, most pagan cultures out there have got, uh, let's say, the same basis of understanding once they get into magic. Uh, what, Evelyn, is natural magic? What do you mean by that? Well, natural magic is that God has given us many tools to use. Of course, the firm, first and foremost is the power of our own mind. But also you have the psychology of color, because color has a vibration, and if you are able to tap into the vibration of color, and we live in color, we are surrounded by color, we are influenced by color. Indeed. Indeed we are, yes, it's all around us. And most people don't understand that there is a particular vibration that is attributed to each color of the spectrum. And so therefore, like say you wanted to empower yourself, say you had a very rough day, and you're very tired, and you needed to go out that evening, and yet Mm -hmm. you said, where am I going to find the energy? Sure. Well, if you put on something the color of red, or if you manifest the color of red in your mind's eye, or if you use a candle and you focus your attention on the vibration of the color of red, what you will do is you will revitalize, rejuvenate, and energize yourself. And so, therefore, that evening you can go out and have a wonderful time feeling fine and refreshed. 
only because you've tapped into that particular vibration. Believe it or not, red is the strongest vibration in the spectrum of color. Well, then how come when you drive a red car... Uh, You're you, spotted. <laughs> it's a fact. I, I, I have a red car. I like red cars. Uh, but they, you stand out like a sore thumb. Inevitably, you get the tickets. Right, because of the vibration. It's the one that is the most attracted to. Huh. It's the strongest vibration out there. And so if you want to be discreet, then you would wear the, use the color of white, uh -huh. or you would use the color of a calming, like a blue or a green. That usually will go unnoticed. See, blue, depending on the color, can be either healing, which is your lighter tones of blue, or your dark blue, which is protection. So therefore, when you want to put a shield of protection around you, or when you want to increase your healing, always use the color of blue. How interesting. If you want to attract money, if you want to attract success, better business, growth, if you want to bring something to you of a prosperity, then mm -hmm. you use the color of green. Green. Well, that makes sense. If you want to stimulate the intellect, if you want clear-sightedness and, and good imagination and inspiration, then you would tap into the color of yellow. Really? Yes. And if you want to bring a lot of peace and love and harmony within you, within your family, within your home and your environment, then by all means use the color of pink. Pink? Yes. Um, and a white, of course, is purity and balance and can also help put a shield of protection and bring in the white light. And, of course, there is black. Let, well, before we get to black, uh, I want all the things that you described, for example, that uh, are brought on by the color pink. Mm -hmm. But I would resist its wearing. You don't have to wear it. Okay, you can put it in your environment as an yeah. accent, and you can also do a meditation and a visualization using the color of pink as a candle and using maybe a little bit of attraction oil so that you can magnetize to you, to your environment, and to your family some peace, some love, and some harmony. Mm -hmm. um, Evelyn... Uh are there are there na are, are there people who are natural uh, witches? In other words, um, who have power though they may not have used it uh, or may not have abused it, uh, but have more natural ability than others. Yes, there are. Everyone has latent psychic ability and intuition, mm -hmm. but there are some people who have been born into a family, and it's hereditary, as mine is. There are others out there who just have, maybe from a past incarnation, the ability to have a sixth sense, second sight, uh -huh. sensitivity, insight, and an affinity toward natural magic. They know what tools to use. They know what herbs to use. They know what essential oils. Your wife, for instance, immediately went for the salt. Oh, yes. It's a natural instinct. Uh, well, I have some stories that I will tell you and others about my wife. She is a very, very, very interesting person. Um, but there are, I might as well, I might as well, before we get into any of the heavier stuff, I, I would like to, uh, to hit you with what you're going to be hit with anyway, Evelyn. Sure. Uh, there are going to be those who, despite my early warning, 
uh, will continue to listen and will be calling in anyway, and they will uh, tell you that what you are doing has nothing to do with God. What you are doing has everything to do with the devil and the, the dark forces, and um, that you probably ought to be put on a pile of wood and burned. Sir, all of my life I have come against that. I'm sure. And what's so funny is I was also raised Roman Catholic, beside Genesean. And so I had Sisters of Mercy who were praying for me when I was in school. <laughs> I, I am well aware. They were praying for you? I mean, they, they knew that you were beginning... They knew I was an occultist. They knew I was into natural magic. Um, you must have uh, been something of a thorn in their side. In the beginning, yes, but not later, uh, especially when a particular priest, uh, Father Brocklow, uh, came in and uh, got acquainted with my grandfather and understood exactly where the spirituality and the essence of God force was in our lives. Who, who was your grandfather, Evelyn? I beg your pardon? Who was your grandfather? Well, my grandfather was what they call today a magus. There is a society out there that has a minister, a master, a grandmaster, a doctorate, a high priest, a high priestess, an adept, and a magus. There's huh. only one other that's higher, and that's an assisimus, and that's like a Dalai Lama. My grandfather was a magus. He held a seat for over 25 years, and he was a practitioner of the occult for more than 60. Uh-huh. And he trained me. I was initiated at four years old. Of course, he wasn't too pleased that I was a girl. He was thinking it was going to be a boy. But uh, unfortunately, it was a girl, and it was me. Is there a difference, by the way, between uh, the powers one can wield as a man or a woman? No. It's just that most women normally did not uh, reach the heights of occultism, did not study, and did not continue. They usually would get married, and they would have children, and they would usually take care of the home. Ah, yes. And they would not uh, go on the scientific research investigative end, and they would not spend years of their life in training as I have. I mean, I was tr I learned how to read sand in my sandbox at five years old. Sand in your sandbox? That's right. Is that, is that is that a sort of a variation on... Uh, evanation. Uh, well, evanation. No, I was going to say variation on reading chicken entrails. Like that. I learned how to read sand. I learned how to read the tarot. In fact, the way the tarot was given to me was absolutely phenomenal and unique. All right, we will get to that and more. It's the bottom of the hour. Uh, we'll have plenty of time. Relax, take it easy. We'll be back in several minutes. Dr. Evelyn Paglini is my guest. She is a witch. So, if all this is going to bother you, turn off your radio. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from July 16th, 1997.
listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight, featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from July 16, 1997. Good morning. From Kevin in Tampa, Florida. Art Bell, a microphone-riding, trouble-stirring talk show host. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, you might be right. And then the first of what I knew was coming in a moment. My guest is Evelyn Paglini. She is she is a practitioner. Uh, Evelyn is a practitioner in the craft. So look, uh, if you are a Christian whose ears are going to be offended, please tune out. I can already see from my faxes. You're not doing that, are you? I'll read one of those in a moment. Uh, for it only has just begun. Now, uh, going back to uh, Evelyn Paglini in a moment, um, but here it comes already, Evelyn. Uh, hello, Art. It says, before you start tonight's show, remember, remember you're not dealing with a witch. You're dealing with Satan himself. <laughs> Do not get lost in this program. If you believe in God, then you have to believe in Satan, and he shows himself in many ways, and that, of course, is Evelyn Paglini. Evelyn, what do you think? Uh, I told you this was coming anyway. Somebody apparently who did not heed my warning and uh, decided to sit here and listen and see how evil it would get. Well, first of all, I can understand a person thinking that when you're dealing with uh, witchcraft or Satanism, that that would be a part of the devil only because of their misunderstanding. Uh, I believe in God. I know that my power comes from God. I know that there are uh, religions out there that would prefer to call it the goddess. I think that if you study religions and if you are spiritual you get to a point where you realize that there is only one religion and there is only one source, and that source is God. And the gifts that he has given me, as well as he has given to other members of my family and so many countless of other people out there, has nothing to do with evil. Yeah, you said you were, though, um, once Catholic. I am, yes. Yes, my wife, uh, as well as a Catholic, by the way, when, uh, was raised in Catholic school, all, mm -hmm. you know, the whole ball of wax. I was too, sir. Um, and in Catholicism, as well as other religions, uh, yes, there is a God. Um, but there is also uh, Satan. There is also uh, the dark side. Yes, there is. Uh, and uh, I interviewed, I think it was Father Malachi Martin about a week ago. Yeah, not, what a not treasure even, he is. Yeah, not, not even quite a week ago. And uh, he is one who will tell you without qualification that the devil is real, uh, very, very real. He, he actually does exorcisms. And, uh, mm -hmm. uh, so you almost began to say, well, there is only one force, and that is God's force. Is that, is that really true, or are there other... Well, he's the creator and the omnipotent, the person. Or yes. The greatest power? The greatest power. But that does okay. not mean that there are not other forces out there, that there are not other elementals, that there are not familiars that you can create, uh -huh. that there is not evocation and summation of beings that you can tap into. 
But again, depending on what you are doing, why you are doing it, and who you're going to do it for or to mm. is going to make the difference. We were talking about colors uh, in the last half hour, and we ran through all of them. Uh, I have a really nice T-shirt tonight. It's solid black, mm -hmm. and it says www.getalife.com. <laughs> I really like it. Someone just sent it to me, whoever you are. Thank you. Uh, what is the color black? Well, the color black can be used to remove a negativity. In other words, when you think of evil, when you think of the darkness or the dark side, the only color that is representative uh, universally is the color of black. And so, therefore, when you want to deal with the removing of or the placing on, depending, remember, knowledge is a double-edged sword, Mm -hmm. then you would use the color of black, whether it be in a black candle or whether it be in an image candle. An image candle? Yes, an image candle is a wax figure in the shape of either a male or a female. And what it does is it presents or represents a subject, an individual that you are going to work on, be it yourself, another family member, a friend, a colleague, or even someone who has done you an injustice. Uh -huh. And so depending on the color of the image candle, what you are doing is making a representation or an effigy. You're going to consecrate it in the individual's name. And then after saying a few words, it becomes that individual. And therefore what you do to it is done to that person. Um, it's a called very, imitative a, magic. A very, a very simplistic, straight-out question. Uh, is magic real? It most certainly is. I it mean, I have, have no doubt about it. Uh, it. It really is something that works. It really is something that works, and it has been around since the beginning of time. Is it... Uh, is it an art, Evelyn, that is being uh, rediscovered now, uh, or is it becoming increasingly uh, lost as time goes on? What, what do you think is happening to the, uh, the craft? I think it's coming out of the closet. It's been hiding. It's been underground for many, many centuries, only because of the misunderstanding that it causes. And today we are going back to natural magic, we are trying to get back in touch with nature and the elements, getting closer to God and to Mother Nature. And so, therefore, it is having a revival. We are now talking about, again, the seers and the saucers and the ancient magicians yes. and the tools that they used. You're seeing shows that are now coming on TV oh, yes. as well as in the movie that are now finally bringing to light what the seers and the magicians were there for. They were there for counsel. They were there for enlightenment. And they were also there for magic. All right. I began talking uh, to my audience about a movie a couple of months ago that I got to see early, earlier than, you know, when it hit the pay services and that sort of thing, called The Craft. Oh, yes. Uh, now, then, at that point, not many in my audience had seen that movie. Now, I suspect many have seen it. And it is about four teenage girls mm -hmm. 
as, as a matter of fact, Evelyn, I may be interviewing the uh, technical advisor to the craft at some point in the near future. I've been invited to do so. But did you see that movie? Yes, I did. Uh, how much of what was represented in that movie to you seemed as though it may be accurate? There was a good representation, um, naturally, because it was a movie and they had to entertain. They had to theatricalize it a little bit more. Sure. Um, I, I did feel a little bit remiss when I noticed that in one episode they had all candles of all colors burning, and that would not be done. I mean, that's a wonderful light show, but it certainly isn't going to be doing anything. <laughs> yes. Um, there were certain things that, uh, no, did not belong. But it's okay because it was a movie. Um, was there any truth? Uh, it began uh, with three uh, young ladies practicing dabbling, really, in the craft. Mm -hmm. And uh, they maintained to acquire a certain power, they needed a fourth. To call forth, as I recall, um, north, south, east, and west. Right. That's what they felt, and again, that's an error. You do not need a number of people. You can do it yourself. Is though uh, there an is there an opportunity, for example, within a coven where there are many with powers, uh, to multiply the effect? Uh, is it, or is that a total error? No. When you have numbers, especially if they are all honing their talent and concentrating it as a laser beam, very definitely it can become extremely powerful. Now, that again depends on those individuals, the path they are walking, and the training they have had. All right. In that motion picture, there was the representation of one young lady. I think she was an African-American young lady who was being... Uh, 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 assaulted uh, by another young lady in the high school, and as I recall, she plucked a bit of her hair mm -hmm. and then began doing spells and I don't know what all. Um, with that girl's, in, in other words, why is a piece of hair or an article from the person that you wish to affect in a negative way? Uh, in that in that movie, uh, th this young lady's hair began to fall out. <laughs> is such a thing actually possible? Yes, it is. And please understand that you can also affect the positive using the same tools. Of course. So, therefore, it is called sympathetic. We were talking about imitative. Imitative was the, the wax figure that you dress and you put a picture on and make look like the person that you are going to be working on, the subject. Sympathetic is that which is in sympathy with the body. And so, therefore, you want the hair, okay, the first, nails, or Excuse me, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt, Evelyn. The first, you, you, you said you make a representation of that person. Yes. That sounds almost like voodoo. It is very similar because what you're doing is you are trying to concentrate your mind's attention and focus it on an effigy that is a representation of the person. Is that how voodoo uh, it, it does what it does? Yes, it is. I told you there's a lot of similarities once you get into natural magic. Okay. And to go back to sympathetic, they want something that is in sympathy with the body, that which is close to the body that has the essence, the sweat, the 
pores of the body. I think so of hair. The hair, unwashed article of clothing, okay, like a sock, nylon, pants, bra, shirt, T-shirt, anything that is worn close to the skin. Something intimate. Right. Is sympathetic magic. When you put the two together, imitative to look like, sympathetic that which belongs to, and then you consecrate it in that person's first and last name, you have got exactly what you need, the tools you need to affect what you need to affect on that particular subject. Mm -hmm. uh, if uh, you are trying to do something good, mm -hmm. uh, this is going to be a tough question uh, to somebody, uh, affect them in a positive way, um, or you're trying to affect them in a very negative way, mm -hmm. uh, do the powers to achieve these two very different goals come from different places? No. No, it does not. Um, how are you able to justify the fact that you are using God's power to achieve a negative effect in the real world magic? Because of justification, the right word that you used, you are never going to, at least if you are walking in the light, if you are walking in balance, and that's what really power and knowledge is really all about. Uh, let me digress a minute. My grandfather always said to me, and he drilled it into my head, it's easy to be good when you don't have the tools to do otherwise. Knowledge is power. It is a tool. And it is the hand of the wielder of that power, mm -hmm. whether it become positive or negative. So the power itself is neutral. Now, if you have a person who has done you an injustice and you are innocent, mm -hmm. harmed a person in your family, harmed yourself, done something atrocious, naturally what you're going to want is revenge. Mm -hmm. But let's say you don't know for sure if it is that particular person. Well, you never want to harm an innocent individual. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you put in a safety factor. That safety factor is that it only goes back. That's the mirror. That's the boomerang. It only goes back to the person who was the perpetrator. Right. In other words, don't send it, and you won't receive it. Uh -huh. All right. Uh, again, referring to the craft, because it's most easily referred to and understood by the audience. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, when they were doing uh, magic, even in a retaliatory fashion, it was justified, and it didn't come back to them. But the tenant was, do something bad to somebody for an unjustified reason. It will come back to you times three? Ten. Ten. Times ten. Tenfold. Tenfold. Uh, so this is the karmic side to the craft. Um, yes. And there is a karmic side, and there's no way around it. In other words, if you intentionally foist off evil on somebody, yes, you, it can be done, but it will come back to you inevitably? Yes, you will pay the price karmically either in this lifetime or in another. What you have to understand, it is your soul that is important. And so, therefore, when you gain power and you gain knowledge, you are tested. You are tested if you are going to use this acquired power in a negative fashion in order to subjugate 
another individual or in order to harm an individual because of the whim of you. That's when you are out of balance and you will pay. All right. Uh, we're going to leave that for now and come back to it. And I have lots of good reason to be coming back to that. We will get back to it. But let's take something that's in the middle for a second, Evelyn. Sure. Uh, let's say that somebody wishes financial gain. Now, let's say you do magic that will achieve for yourself financial gain. Mm -hmm. uh, Father, Father Malachi would say you would become, at that point, the perfectly possessed. I'm sure you heard him speak of that. Yes. Um, and that many of the successful people who have money and fame and riches have it because they are perfectly possessed, a state from which they will not recover in this lifetime, mm -hmm. according to Father Malachi Martin. Um, this, however, or seeking this, would seem a far less drastic thing than seeking revenge uh, or seeking to do evil against another person. So uh, what would you say about somebody who seeks riches or fame or whatever it is they're after? Uh, do the same karmic laws apply? Only if they use the wealth that they have gained, the riches that they have gained, and again, in order to harm others. Ah. You see, God does not want us to be poor or to be without. He wants us to have all of the riches of the earth, otherwise they would not have been given. Well, the, the, there would be those who would argue that uh, a God would say, uh, perhaps so, but those who will inherit will be the meek, the poor. The meek means that just because you have the abundance doesn't mean that you're going to get on an ego trip and that you are going to, again, inflict your commands or demands on another only because you have the power to do so. Uh -huh. That's the test of the soul. God is very wise. He gives people wonderful tools, and then he sees what you do with them. We have free will. Easy to be good when you don't have the tools <laughs> to do otherwise. Let me give you a tool. Now let me see what you'll do with it. Um, Evelyn, the difference between, it gets to be a very fine line. For example, I'll use myself as a case because I'm not afraid to. Mm -hmm. I am a very driven person, very, very driven. I'm very, very competitive. Now, I don't, uh, I, I take no joy in uh, doing anything to anybody else, however, I am driven to be the best I can be, and at times that will mean that I, in effect, ride right over somebody else's um, uh, career butt, if you follow me. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I do this not out of um, uh, any, any dislike or bad feeling uh, for that person. No, I, I simply do it because, yeah, all right, that's exactly right. That's yes. just business. Right. You're not deliberately envious of the individual where you want to... That's right. I just want to do well, and in that doing well, uh, that's, a, that's a natural occurrence. All right. Evelyn, stay right where you are. We'll be right back. All right? Yes. From the high desert, you're listening to the CBC Radio Network. My guest is Evelyn Paglini, and she's the real thing. So you might want to stick around, or if you are offended, you might not. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks.
Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from July 16, 1997. Presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired July 16th, 1997. It is. And I want to warn you once again, those of you joining at this hour, we are discussing witchcraft. The craft. My guest is Evelyn Paglini. Dr. Evelyn Paglini. So I warn you... If you're sensitized to this sort of thing or offended by it, please turn your radio off now, because what we are going to discuss is going to disturb a number of people, and so you're being served for that warning. The rest is up to you. Dr. Evelyn Baglini, back in a moment, we're talking about the craft Again, I want to tell those of you who have joined at this hour, uh, we have exclusive photographs now of the Salem-Slayton, Oregon crop circle. If you would like to see what appears to be the beginning of the teaching in America, uh, much as it was early in England with regard to crop circles, I suggest you meander on over to my website, uh, which is not the one written on my T-shirt. My T-shirt says www.getalife.com. It's... <laughs> I love this. <laughs> White on black. Uh, it's www.artbell.com. And you will marvel at this particular crop circle. It's just like the ones that began in England, and we have exclusive photographs of it. Thanks to Marianne Koch. And you'll see credit given to her there. I scanned those photographs uh, literally hours before we went on the air. So as promised, she delivered about 30 aerial photographs of that crop circle. Thank you, Marianne. Um, all right. Uh, this is going to get uh, uh, to be fairly heavy as the evening progresses, and you are going to get an opportunity to ask a question. Um, Evelyn, uh, somebody has sent me uh, the following. It is a, sort of a... It's a uh, a pentagram, I suppose, within a circle, north, south, east, west, and it says, Art, say hi to my sister, meaning you, Evelyn. It says, now is the time, now is the hour. 
and it shows the north, south, east, west directions. Mine is the magic mine, is the power, a line straight out of uh, the craft. Um, is there anything to that chant? Is, is that real, or is that Hollywood? There are many times a person will use a chant and a vibration in order to call down a cone of power. They will use symbologies, they will use sigils, they will use a pentagram or a hexagram or a circle, especially if they're doing evocation and summation. And yes, chanting does occur. Also, when you consecrate instruments, you will also at times use a chant. Um, in what way does a chant conjure anything? It is the vibration of the chant and the words and the intent and the desire and the concentration. Remember, it is the mind that is the power and God the source. But you need, at times, tools. And those tools have to be first cleansed and then energized or charged and consecrated. And those tools can be a wand or an atom or a chalice. They can be many different instruments that you are going to use. Oh, so, so in other words, in other words, chants have vibratory power in the same sense that you suggested to me last hour other uh, colors do. That is correct. That's what we mean by talking about nature and the elements and what has been given to us to use as tools. All right. Vibration is a power, and once you pull down that cone of power, you can learn to direct it. All right. Um, my my wife is an interesting individual, and I want to cite several instances um, uh, to you with regard to things she has done, and just simply draw from you some sort of uh, honest conclusion and say as you will what you will after you hear what you hear. And I think one of them, or perhaps two of them, you've already heard about. Uh, when I originally decided that I was going to move from Las Vegas, simply because it's becoming very crowded, um, I looked for property out here in the uh, this little desert community of Pahrump. The first property I looked at, I'm a ham operator, I like high places. So I looked at a hill, which just happened to be over the hill in Clark County. And uh, it was way up high, and uh, kind of rocky, but way up high, and overlooked the entire valley. And I thought, oh, what a cool place, you know, for to live. And I uh, decided, I started to buy the property. Now, one of the considerations in being that high was where to find water. It was completely undeveloped land, uh, Evelyn. Uh-huh. And we used to come out here and sort of sit on the land and contemplate the land and whether we were going to buy it and how we would build and where things would be, you know, the way couples do when they're trying to figure out uh, um, where they're going to live. And so we were concerned about water, Evelyn, and my wife is a water witch. I just say a divining rod, yeah. Now, this is very, very interesting. Uh, she did this made up with coat hangers, nothing more, mm-hmm. and she came out one day and, wa- oh, she spent a good 45 minutes. The developer was there with me. It was really a funny thing. The developer was there, and my wife spent about 45 minutes walking the land, walking the land. And in the oddest place, in in a lower left-hand exact corner of the property, she said, here's where the water is. Mm -hmm. 
and she stood there, and we marked the spot. Well, as it turned out, Evelyn, we were not able to obtain the property. Clark County threw up all kinds of, uh, of flood studies and things that had to be done, and they got so in our way on the project with um, bureaucracy that we finally said to hell with you, and we came into Nye County where things are saner and uh, built here. But um, two or three years later, Evelyn, uh, I drove by one day that property, and by God, it was being developed. And here was this this uh, rig drilling for water, and I'm telling you, you know, on this acre-plus piece of land, they were drilling exactly where my wife had put the spot. And bigger than, uh, heck, they hit water right there very easily. Yes. Uh, so what what does somebody do when they do that? First of all, she is very, very sensitive. And so what she did, and we're talking again about vibration, she used an instrument, a tool that was the coat hangers. You can use a piece of wood. Whatever it is, it is you tapping into and using the tool as a vibration. And once you have walked over the land, you will pick up the actual vibration of water. And that's what she did. Hmm. And she was sensitive enough to tap into it. And she used an instrument, one of the tools that I always say are so wonderful and useful out there. They're there to help us. And so... She did something wonderful. She found water. She found water. And that is precisely where they drilled. Um, I'll never forget that. All right. There are many people out there who make a living finding oil and finding water by the use of divining rods. It is a very, very well-known topic and way of finding oil or water. So it's not uncommon. And a benign use of power, yes? A positive use of power. Positive use. Yeah, well, yeah, benign, positive, that's positive. true. It's, it's positive. No, that's right. Uh, it's positive. No yes. question about it. Uh, now, another little revelation. Early in our relationship, um, my wife delivered the following items to me in uh, all kind of lashed together in a package. She delivered to me a package of forget-me-not seeds, uh, a small package of Hawaiian hazelnut coffee, one small pair of handcuffs, little thumb cuffs, <laughs> left as a gift for me at a certain place. And, um, and I looked at this, and I, at the time I had no idea who it was from. I looked at this stuff, and I said, what the hell is this? I mean, it was such an odd odd combination, a package of seeds, hazelnut coffee, a little <laughs> tiny pair of handcuffs. I love it. I'm not going to give out her secret, but that is part of when you want to attract a particular <laughs> person's vibration and bind them to you in their heart. It is called a binding action. She started the process. God love her. <laughs> she is a natural <laughs> uh, This was within, uh, I would say, a week of our meeting each other She made up her mind quick <laughs> <laughs> I want this man 
All right, then there That's was... wonderful. That is a beautiful story. No, I've never told it. There's one more story that the audience has heard, and this one occurred... Um, we've been married, of course, many years now, but this one occurred, I think, about a year ago, Evelyn. She could be more specific, but I receive a lot of mail. I've received some horrid things in the mail. Um, people have sent me cat ears, uh, horrible things. I know. And uh, one day, Evelyn, somebody... Uh, sent this very old doll, and uh, it was, um, you know, a cloth uh, doll, and you could tell it's very, very old, and it was actually singed, and there was a letter that came with it, Evelyn, and uh, this letter was very serious. It was from an individual who had had this doll in their home, and there had been, uh, according to this person, a curse placed upon this doll, and... Uh, in fact, this person's home had burned to the ground. This doll uh, survived uh, the burning, save a little bit of singeing, but the curse remained on this doll, and I'll be damned if this person didn't send this doll to me. And we opened it up, along with this letter, indicating what a terrible curse was on it. And, for lack of a better phrase, to use a streetism, my wife freaked out when she opened it. Read the I letter. would have, too. And uh, she said, uh-oh, and uh, <laughs> I watched her. She ran into the kitchen. She got all the salt mm -hmm. that we had in the house, and she took this doll lock, stock, box, and barrel out to the dipsy dumpster we've got out there, threw it in, and proceeded to use all of our house salt and covered this doll in salt. That's correct. Really? First line of defense for purification of anything that has a repository of negativity would be salt. Why? Because it is a purifying agent. Second line of defense would be sea salt, even stronger. Third would be sulfur. Sulfur. And fourth would be black salt. Black salt. Yeah. In, uh... They're all purifiers, and what they do is they set up barriers so that that which is negative either cannot get out or get in, depending on which way you are placing it. So she was absolutely right. She picked up the vibration immediately that there was something negative and evil involved in this image doll, mm -hmm. and she wanted not to allow that vibration to get into the home, and it could have, even though it wasn't intended for you. I have many artifacts in my altar room that have been given and sent to me only because they have had... Uh, a curse placed upon them, and they can wreak havoc in a person's life if they are not attended to or destroyed. You have an altar room. Yes, sir. Um, again, referring to the movie uh, The Craft, uh, I recall one portion of it where there was a, there was a room uh, in, in a bookstore um, past which nobody was invited uh, until uh, toward the very end of the movie, and um, what kind of room was that? An altar room. An altar room. That's what I <laughs> <laughs> Only I took exception to all the different colors of the candle, remember? Yes, I do. Uh, but, I mean, there are, there are such rooms. And they are rooms that we all can have a temple or a sanctuary or a church. It is a place where you go and you do your spiritual work, whether it is work on yourself or your loved ones, or others. Mm -hmm. And what you do after a while, because you have consecrated, and you have cleansed, 
and you have energized that particular area, it builds up its own vibration and power. So it is, again, another source of power. Just like when you go to a church constantly and you pray, sure. that is sacred ground. Just like the Indians have a sacred burial ground, it is because of the rituals they have performed and the spirits of their ancestors who stay there and guard it. All the same. Not so different. Every culture has their altar, their temple, their sanctuary, their church. Um, what is it that the Native American peoples uh, uh, do? Is it is it akin? To, is there something they do that is akin to the kind of um, you know? Is magic the right word? Is it fair to yeah, use the word magic? magic? It's natural right. magic. Natural magic. Yeah. It, is that what they, they do? They use herbs. They use. They're phenomenal with herbs. They're fantastic. They use animal spirits. They are very very good at the shape shifting and there are not too many cultures out there that are have that ability they're extremely psychic and very spiritual when you say shape shifting yes. you mean uh, as in converting oneself for example to a wolf that is correct you believe that can actually be done yes it can you can also create a familiar using a thought becoming a form and then sending that familiar in whatever disguise you have made it, meaning animal, okay, or bird, and you can send it out to do your bidding. A familiar. Yes, a familiar. It could be a bird. It could be any animal. It can be any animal. You are there are there some place. animals? Are there some animals? Excuse me, Evelyn, with more power or who are more easily um, adaptable? Are, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. There are, there are some, but basically you can use any animal. All you have to do is tap into the vibration and the soul and the power of that animal and what it's used for, and very definitely you can use it. Again, how do you use it? Uh, cats, for some reason, in my case, have always seemed mystical uh, and very, very interesting creatures, um, and, and I have three of them. <laughs> um, and there have been references to cats frequently. What about cats? Are they good All familiars? Have been. They have been excellent as uh, familiars. Uh, they have been used oh, back into Egypt time. You had a cult that was Basque, and that was the cat. The Egyptians they, worshipped cats, did absolutely. they not? Absolutely, yes, they did. And they also used them as familiars. They also used them as guards. Also in China they did, and I, I believe still do. Huh. So cats, uh, small as well as large. The panthers have been used by a particular society that I'm well aware of. It's another cat. Yes, that uh, if a particular individual that belonged to that society stepped out of bounds, it was usually uh, the cat or the spirit of that animal that did the work to put the person into silence. Uh, put them into silence. I'm being kind. <laughs> yeah, I could tell you are. 
Um, all right, it's the bottom of the hour, uh, Evelyn, and I would like to have you uh, hold on. We will get phone calls, folks, so hang in there. Uh, Evelyn, stand by. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight, featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from July 16th, Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from July 16th, 1997. All right. Um, Art, great show tonight. Predicted it'll go down in the archives as a classic. Have two important questions for Evelyn tonight. I doubt the majority of people will want to hear them. And again, that reminds me if you are offended by the kind of discussion we're having this night, turn your radio to another station or off or go watch TV or something. We're talking about the craft. I'll be up front with you. The craft. Um, Evelyn, um, might as well get in trouble right now. Uh, this comes from a listener. If you could say something to the Ralph Reeds, Jerry Falwells, Pat Robinsons of the world, what would it be? That they have not achieved a true level of spirituality. Otherwise, they would know that they're like there is only one race, there is only one God, and just because there are differences in cultures in the names or the way that they worship that God doesn't mean that those people will not find the same place in heaven as they are. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the second question, there is an obvious war going on in the world right now, just not in this country, of the left versus right. And here I refer not just to politics, but to a worldwide spiritual battle. Please comment on these antagonistic entities. Well, I don't quite understand where he's coming from. Uh, well, I guess basically um, he's referring to an ongoing or perhaps even... Uh, increasing level of war between good and evil? The more knowledge that people have, in other words, there are a proliferation of excellent books that are out there that are now giving exposure, and these people are taking and gaining this knowledge, and again, they are being tested. And unfortunately, they are failing the test. And so, yes, in that instance, there is, a growing concern that negativity is on the rise because of the usage of the individuals that are playing with it. They, soul-wise, are in ignorance and unfortunately are being handed weapons that they should not and cannot comprehend. Let us discuss a little bit of the nature of what you believe the soul to be, Evelyn. Uh, I firmly believe that we have something within us that survives a physical death uh, but I'm unsure of its uh, of its makeup. I guess. Uh, what would you say of the soul? What is our soul, Evelyn? I think the best way to describe it is the soul is the spark of the divine. It is the breath of the Creator, and so therefore it is eternal. What we here are doing, are experiencing humanness or humanity, or the physical plane of existence. But we are eternal. We have many incarnations uh, prior to the present, uh -huh. and we will have other incarnations after this. Firmly a believer in reincarnation. Firmly. It is an evolutionary soul cycle on its way back to its creator. It's almost like an implosion and an explosion. Evelyn, um... We have many, many more people in the world today than we had 100 or 200 years ago or 1,000 mm -hmm. uh, by uh, literally billions. And uh, so an obvious question is, uh, if there is reincarnation, then where are all the souls coming from? They are coming from prior existences, not only on this plane, but on other planes, other planets, and other dimensions. Also, on this plane of existence, there can be an interim or a time span before that soul will incarnate again. Some will incarnate very rapidly, sometimes within just a few years. Others will take a hiatus for maybe a hundred to five hundred or a thousand years. You will choose the time, the environment, and the parents and the economic situation that will afford your soul the best opportunity to fulfill its next charge. There was uh, another movie, and I, I, I refer to movies because it's something the uh, audience can identify with, and I can. Um, I mean, you are into things uh, so deeply that we could get beyond uh, we could co we could get beyond uh, their ability and my ability, for that matter, to comprehend uh, what we are discussing. There was once a movie called The Seventh Sign with Demi Moore, mm -hmm. and its basic contention was 
that there uh, that the number of souls are finite, and that when the last soul incarnates uh, into a body, uh, the guff or the, the the place where the souls are kept would be empty, mm-hmm. and uh, the end of all would begin. Um, is that uh, is that is that a false? Uh, it, it's a metaphor. It's okay, a metaphor. It, it's like many times when you are reading the Bible, you find that there are levels of awareness, and there are riddles that are put in that you have to decipher depending on the consciousness or the level of awareness of your of your mind. And what it's saying is that when all of the souls have incarnated and lived this particular existence, then life as we know it and as the world knows it ceases to exist because now we go on to another dimension and to another realm and another existence. Um. Is there? You know, we're dealing with physical here. Is there uh, to this all an end? In other words, uh, is there a time uh, when, if in effect, um, well, I, I recall, for example, the Rancho Santa Fe suicides. Uh, in their suicide note, uh, they suggested it is time now for their graduation. Graduation, an interesting term. Is there a time when you do not once again uh, incarnate, when you are done, when you have graduated, when you are finished? It depends on the school of philosophy or thought that you follow. Many believe that once you have achieved a particular level of awareness, Uh you may choose to come back and walk the land as a teacher, as a savior, as a guru, as an enlightened master in order to help others to that stage of enlightenment. Others feel that they will go to the beyond, another dimension. If they have fulfilled all that is there, then that what they have done is become of the oneness again. Okay. But, but you're talking eons of time. That's, again, the implosion and the explosion. Yeah. Well, we're going to touch on that. Relax. Take a break. We'll be back to you. <laughs> Evelyn, have you ever seen a, dem- a really a, a demonstration, a demonstrable uh, manifestation of magic? Uh, and when I say that, I mean an actual, how to put it, uh, from the layman's point of view, something that uh, uh, the manifestation of, of an evil entity, have you seen things moved, have you seen... Uh, people affected either positively or negatively beyond uh, challenge. Uh, what real manifestations of magic performed have you either seen or done? Quite a bit. First of all, you are able, and I have seen this, um, I was a young girl, about 19, and I went to a woman who was very, very powerful, very magically inclined, and what she did is she took a dish and mentally with her mind, she teleported or threw it, okay, up against the wall, and it naturally smashed into many pieces. And then with the power of her mind, she gathered them back into its original semblance. You saw that? I saw that with my own eyes. In fact, my father was present. He's the one who took me. 
what she did, which always stuck in my mind, is that even though when she brought all of the pieces together, she turned to me and she said, but only God can make it whole. And it was, it just, it reached me. Again, I've had many, many lessons and I have seen power. Yes, you can take and affect a person a thousand, ten thousand miles away. You can, with just suggestibility, make an individual sick, let alone calling down a cone of power and using imitative and sympathetic magic. Distance is not an object. Distance has never been an object, no. The only limitation is the practitioners. <laughs> Let's for a second discuss ghosts. Um, I, I have had many guests and much evidence presented indicating that uh, for some odd reason, uh, occasionally souls uh, appear to get trapped on earth mm -hmm. in some horribly repetitive, uh, frequently repetitive uh, motion. And it's hard to tell whether we are seeing a soul which has not left this plane yet, uh, damned to repeat something again and again, uh, or whether we are seeing some sort of weird echo of what was uh, repeating again and again. And I, c I could give many, many examples. The people of San Antonio, Texas, well know, for example, uh, that there was a, I'm going to give you an example, there was a school bus full of children years ago that was caught on a train track, and a train came along and smashed into this bus, killing all the children. Um, and this has been tested again and again and again, Evelyn. You can, yes, uh, I know it. You can go to this crossing stop your car, put it in neutral, uh, and just sit there and um, uh, on the crossing, and something, some, some power will push your car, and the people down there know this is true, mm -hmm. off those tracks and off that crossing, and they have gone so far as to sprinkle uh, a powder on the back of the car, and what they end up with... Uh, after this car has been moved off the tracks by some unseen force, are the marks of children's hands on the back of the vehicle that has pushed it out of the way. Yes. Um, that's a true story, Evelyn. It yes. still goes on today. Now, so, so what are ghosts? Spirits or entities that have not crossed over into the light. Some have chosen to stay behind because they have left something undone. Some choose to become a guardian angel of the family they want to watch over. Others will stay behind for guidance or even to give warning. And some are trapped because of what has taken place in their life or at the moment of their death. And they can, at times, repeat a particular scenario. Or there will be those spirits that I have, because I've done many, many house cleansings, many, and I've worked with spirits, ghosts, and hauntings for the last 35 years. Mm -hmm. uh, you can, I, I remember one time going and doing a cleansing on a home that belonged to a policeman in the city of Chicago. In fact, when he came to me, he said it was the only thing that ever brought him to his knees in 17 years on the force, and he had seen it all. But it had attacked his wife and his children, and lo and behold, once we made contact with the spirit or the entity, it was a woman 
who had not only been abandoned by her husband, but by her son, and her bitterness, and her rage, and then her confinement in that home and subsequent death there, permeated. You know, they say walls have ears. Well, the energy permeated, and her soul was trapped there, and she was very, very vicious to anyone that would live in that home. And so finally, a exorcism had to be performed so that she was able to cross over into the light. The one part of this that I've never quite understood in struggling to understand whether a soul is really trapped here or whether it's some sort of strange echo is, for example, somebody who will have unrequited love uh, is just deeply, passionately in love uh, in the most desperate way with somebody, um, at uh, perhaps uh, love not returned, um, uh, and whose life is taken at that moment of passion, uh, would appear also to remain trapped. Mm -hmm. um, now, that person has not done evil in any way that I can discern, uh, and so it's seemingly uh, repeated, repetitively doing something again and again and remaining trapped on earth, that seems like uh, punishment of the damned. But why, and yet this person has not really done anything evil, so why are they stuck in that way? I wish I had a real good answer. I know from those spirits that I have made contact with, and one was something very similar to that, the energy and the desire to stay with that loved one was so great that they would not allow themselves to turn to the light. In other words, when hmm. that which came for them to help them cross over, they refused. Their, their energy was so strong that it kept them earthbound and therefore trapped them. And those are very, very sad souls. Yes, that is sad. Um, that is sad indeed. But it is their choice. Oh, their choice. They have chosen this they then. Chosen. Uh, they chose it. They couldn't give up. They couldn't let go. They could not let go. Uh, how do you... If you go into a house where there is something like this going on, a home or a place, whatever, how do you how do you get the spirit to let go? What you do is first establish contact, and you can do that in many ways. Uh, you can also do it in a seance. Once you have established contact with the individual, you try to find out just exactly why they are there, why they are trapped. Is it something left undone? Is it something that they wish to take care of? Is isn't there, isn't there, they is, want to give? Isn't there terrible danger, though, in a seance? In other words, uh, if well, for you... the layman, yes, it must be done by a professional. Otherwise, you're opening up the door and you can get more than you bargained for, and that's happened to a lot of people. Has it ever happened to you? No, it has not. Again, my training. Uh huh. Um, I also I put up a shield of protection. Before I do a seance, and any of those people that are participants, they also will have a shield of protection before I ever open up the door. So don't, the advice is don't try this at home. No, this is not something that you have fun with. This is not for entertainment purposes. No. All right. Uh, my guest is Dr. Evelyn Paglini, and we are discussing the craft. And when we return, I've got a particularly difficult question. Uh, for Evelyn, 
And we're going to discuss something um, a little bit on the dark side. And then I'm going to get the phone lines open. And they've been ringing solidly since we went on the air. So plant yourself. There's some heavy-duty stuff coming up. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from July 16th, 1997. Somewhere in time. Tonight, featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from July 16th, 1997. Good morning. I want to do uh, one more time what I've been doing for the last couple of hours. What we are discussing this morning is the craft. Witchcraft. Magic. Whatever you want to call it. And we have the real McCoy with us. Her name is Dr. Evelyn Paglini. And she is, uh, has a doctorate in parapsychology, a doctor of divinity, uh, founded the International Psychic Center in 1972, a research and investigation organization, a metaphysical teacher, lecturer, consultant, spiritual warrior, uh, the real McCoy. We've been discussing magic. And this will offend some people, without a doubt. So if that is you, turn your radio off now. Tune out. If discussion of this sort of thing bothers you, you're not going to want to be here. And I'm not going to want to get a lot of angry letters and email, though I know I will anyway. There is your warning. Back to Evelyn Baglini in a moment. We're going now back to Evelyn Baglini. For those of you who are requesting contact information, uh, we'll get to it. Hold on. Evelyn, are you there? I'm here. All right. Uh, Evelyn, um, here's a fax I just received. Art, you're doing a wonderful job of spreading Lucifer's <laughs> word. You have a blasphemer on your show and support the message that she spews forth. You, as well as your guest, will burn in the fiery pit of hell from Dan in Quincy, Illinois. What do you think? You going to feel the flames, Evelyn? No, I'm not going to feel the flames. The only thing I'm going to do is again say that the person has not reached a level of awareness. He has not crossed the threshold of enlightenment. 
his soul has not reached spirituality. Otherwise, he would not condemn a person for their belief. Uh, um, indeed. All right, uh, one more, and let's see how you answer this. Uh, whenever I have a show dealing with this kind of material, Mark, uh, uh, an avowed atheist in Louisiana, faxes me, says something like this. All right. Maybe Evelyn didn't hear about the incident the other day where a woman gave birth to a baby in a public toilet and left it there to die. What kind of God would allow this to happen? fact is, there is no God. The sooner everyone accepts this, the better. From Mark in Louisiana. That's a very hard and difficult question, and I'll tell you the only thing I thought of, because I had a lot of my own clients ask me, why this could happen and I said only God in his wisdom would understand maybe there is lessons that not only the individual will learn by her actions also because that soul has touched many many individuals worldwide not just nationally mm -hmm. and it is all in how those people around are affected and how they react to it there are many times a tragedy will happen to a person because it is the will. And it is how do other people's reaction to that act affect their soul and their growth? Um, there are two ways to vent anger and hatred uh, and the feeling for revenge. Um, one is the obvious with the physical, and the other is the kind of work you do. Now, uh, as we move to discuss the darker side of things, is it possible... Uh, let me reform this question, Evelyn, uh, in my own way. I discussed uh, with the audience some weeks, or was it months ago now, an event in my life um, which... Uh, uh, was very extremely traumatic. Uh, in other words, I get w without giving details away, somebody came at me or my family in a way as to do us deadly harm. Um, and I I spent a few nights talking about revenge on the air, something the audience didn't understand because they don't understand, nor have I been able to explain to them uh, what occurred, and I still cannot explain to my audience. What has occurred the day may come when I can do that, and I certainly will at that point. And I have a lot to say about it. I, I, my lips are sealed at this moment. Suffice it to say, somebody has come after me in a deadly way. And um, I have reason to want possibly deadly revenge on this person. And I have confided in you um, what this person has done. You know what it is. Yeah. And um, I guess I first would ask you, uh, after consideration, uh, whether you feel that what I explained to you, what I told you about, is sufficiently dastardly uh, to justify uh, the use of deadly... Uh, magical uh, force against this person? I would have to say, based on what you told me, you have justification. 
Is it possible, with magic, to take someone's life? Yes, unfortunately, it is possible to take someone's life with magic. Uh, is this something... Uh, now, again, I'm going to go back to the uh, theatrical venue to recall a movie. I uh, know, maybe a book. I don't know if it was a movie or a book. It was... It was um, a Stephen King thing, I think, and I recall, it was a book, and um, this man had a curse put upon him by a gypsy who simply one day came and touched his forehead and said, thinner, or thin, I can't recall, it's a long time ago I read the book, and slowly, uh, but surely, uh, despite the best medical efforts of everybody involved, away. this man wasted away mm -hmm. and got thinner and smaller and emaciated and finally uh, the inevitable. Um, is that the manner in which something like this is done, or how is it done, Evelyn? That is the result of what can be achieved by the concentration and the laser beam that you send to another individual. You can have them waste away. You can have them have instant karma for their actions. You can have other people around them turn against them. You can have beings and demons that no one sees but him reach him and touch him. There are many ways to affect people. All right, we discussed earlier um, karma, and that if you if you uh, do a negative thing to somebody without justification, key, key phrase, without justification, we'll come back to you times ten. Uh, if this person has harmed you in a deadly, um, unforgivable manner, and I, I am not a forgiving person, I am a person who comes back at whoever comes at me. I, I, I've done that all my life, Evelyn. Uh, one way or the other, in the physical or if it can be done elsewise, elsewise, doesn't matter to me. I don't turn the other cheek. Uh, and I don't, uh, I don't allow people to tromp over me. In this case that we're now discussing, uh, you know I am not going to allow that to occur one way or the other. That is correct. And you have an exceptional case, and that's the difference. You're not coming because someone has insulted you or put you down, no, no. or talked behind your back. No, no. You're coming from real justification. Serious, deadly Serious, harm. and deadly so justification. I am prepared Absolutely. to return uh, in kind. Now, uh, that would mean that, karmically, I would not soon be paying times ten. No, you would not. And neither would any person who you went to to help assist or perform because all you're doing is setting up a mirror and the person is receiving what they have sent what they have given was deadly so in return the mirror sends it back justification you are innocent all right i, I wanted to ask that um and I, I will proceed with you privately uh, in this arena. Uh, so, 
anyway, uh, turning to another subject, I'm getting a million faxes here, and we are going to shortly open the phones. Um, what does Evelyn think of the Ouija board? Uh, there are many people who dabble uh, in fun, at parties, fun time, get together, let's uh, get out the old Ouija board and see what it does. Uh, what do you say to those folks? You know, I've done a couple of columns on that particular subject in newspapers, and the Ouija board is, again, not a toy. It is not something that should be for entertainment because it is another tool where you are opening up the door and you, again, can get more than you bargain for. Now, those people who are trained, who are sensitive, they can receive information that can be extremely beneficial. In fact, one person was given a warning and stopped a very, very serious crime from happening. But 90% of the time, it is the average layman out there that is playing the game and usually getting hurt because they, are, they have absolutely no training, and they open up the door and they allow spirits in, low-entity beings that are just looking for a receptacle, and they have just provided one. Bottom feeders. That's right. And we are the bottom. <laughs> so you could open a door and something could truly come through. There. Oh, yeah. That or even having seances. I warn people all the time, do not have a seance for the fun of it because you want to contact your old Uncle Charlie. Mm -hmm. Because you may not get Uncle Charlie. And if you do not have a bona fide trance medium with, with the knowledge of how to conduct properly a seance, you are putting yourselves and any other person in that room in danger because they can't take over your bodily functions and your vocal cords because you are inviting them to do so so yes you must be very careful when you are dealing with spirit communication on any form have you seen uh, a person possessed in such a manner yes I have several times is there anything uh, short of what Father Malachi Martin does that can be done to deal with that? Is there, for example, within your craft yes. something that can be done? What would you do? It is very similar. What you do is you take on that spirit or that entity, and it is a war between the two of you. And what they gain is either they lose the habit of the body that they are inhabiting, or they not only have theirs, but they have you. And what you do is you go in and you go to war. You demand that they release that body and that spirit and that they go. And it can sometimes be hours and sometimes days before you achieve the desired result in exercising that spirit or that entity from that person. And as you call for it, you call for it in the name of? When I call for it? Yes, if you call for this what spirit or this entity to leave. Yeah, you conjole it, all right? You, you sometimes irritate it. You sometimes get sarcastic. What you want it to do is show its power. You want to find out what are you dealing with. Are you dealing with a low entity being or spirit, meaning one that has held human form? Or are you dealing with a hierarchy, a supernatural being, one that has not held human form? Because based on what you are dealing with, and based on the background of that individual or that spirit or that being, then you are going to pull down specific powers. Now, if it is Christian, then they would respond to the crucifix and holy water mm -hmm. and those prayers. 
but if they do not belong to that culture or religious persuasion and they belong to another, then you must use those artifacts, those gods and those spirits, okay, that they are uh. indeed familiar with. So you have uh. to make a study. So in other words, there could be a case of possession uh, for which Father Malachi Martin might not be the right agent, but you might be. That is correct. Yes, absolutely. Because there are spirits out there that would laugh at the cross. And holy water would not affect them whatsoever. And well, I have come across those. And what would... What, what for example, uh, I know you cannot be specific because every case is specific, but just as a, a discussion example, holy, holy water or a cross might not work, but what might? There are certain seals, certain sigils, and there are certain elementals, and there are certain beings that you can call upon to assist you. Just as they would use a crucifix and holy water, there are certain tools and artifacts and herbs that we can use, as well as them calling down the source of the Jesus Christ consciousness power. Mm -hmm. There are other spirits and beings whose names we have that we call upon that will do the job. Evelyn, are there aspects of the craft that are simply uh, too sensitive to be discussed in a public forum like this? Yeah, there are certain aspects, yes. You don't want to give... There's enough out there in books for people to go and quench their thirst. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing is that they have balance in their life, balance within their soul. Otherwise, the power that they are going to acquire, they are not going to handle properly. There should be some kind of tutelage, some kind of training, okay, some kind of person who is going to give them some guidance. I know I had wonderful guidance. I, I had the balance brought in me. I understand what the power is and how to use it. If somebody who senses that they are a natural comes to you and wants instruction, uh, not necessarily for positive reasons, but uh, like those young ladies in the craft, the movie The Craft, they want to pursue the dark side, and they're up front with you about that and want your guidance, how do you handle that? They are rejected. There. A person came to me and was very upfront with me and said, I want to gain this knowledge for this power so that I can use this in order to subjugate other individuals. Mm -hmm. Not a chance. Not a chance. There are many others that will. Go and find them. I will not. That is not the way I was taught. That was not the way I was raised. And that is not the way I believe, and I cannot give the kind of power and the kind of knowledge that I have acquired to someone that is not in balance. I will not do it. A couple of months ago, uh, Evelyn, I was in Mexico. Uh, I favor, I like Mexico. I go to Mexico when I give it a chance. And I happened to walk into an herb store in Mexico, and in the rear of the store there was a very, I thought, ominous-looking altar. Um with um, with, a, with a figure of some sort in the middle of the altar, um, what was I probably seeing? 
in the figure in the middle of the altar, depending on the culture, may have been a demigod or a spirit that they are calling upon for guidance, assistance, energy, power. Whatever, huh? Whatever. All right, Evelyn, stay where you are. We'll be right back at the bottom of the hour. We're about to go to the phone, so if you want to get through and have a question, now would be the time. From the high desert, I'm Art Bell. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from July 16th, 1997. Networks presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired July 16, 1997. Good morning. I'm receiving bulletin information right now on a breaking news story. ABC News and others now are reporting that the Mir space station has lost synchronicity with the sun and is turning away from the sun. The Russian news agency is reporting that on the Mir space station they are losing almost all their electrical power and the temperatures have begun to drop on the space platform. This is potentially a serious uh, or fatal problem with Mir. Uh, So we're going to uh, continue to follow this uh, story. Uh, Or here's another, the 12 midnight Pacific news break on Cairo in Seattle. Another station, not mine, in Seattle. I'm on KOMO and uh, KBI. Uh, nevertheless, reported uh, a mini-story about Mir. Evidently, it's lost its fix on the sun. No longer is charging batteries. Oxygen, lights, and communication equipment are the only things still powered. 
So um, we will follow closely that, uh, that breaking news story because we are live. Instead of some sort of repeated, regurgitated, recycled re- repeat, we are live. And if necessary, we will turn to continuing coverage of that program. My guest is Evelyn Paglini, Dr. Evelyn Paglini. She practices the craft. We'll get back to her in a moment. All right, going back now to Dr. Evelyn Paglini, uh, who practices the craft and um, has been doing so all her life and her father before her. Uh, If this sort of program and material uh, causes you distress or bothers you, turn your radio off, do not listen, go listen to um, rock and roll or something. Uh, all right, uh, Dr. Paglini, I, Evelyn, um, w- by the way, what should I call you? Well, you can call me Evelyn. Evelyn, <laughs> all right. Um, if somebody wanted to contact you uh, for more information or uh, to discuss a matter with you, uh, much as I have privately, how would they do that? Is there a way? There are several ways. All right. For those who want to email me, that would be QEP at msn.com. And for those who would like to do snail mail, <laughs> that is Paglini, P-A-G-L-I-N-I, at P.O. Box 57932, Sherman Oaks, two words, California, 91413. And they can also visit my webpage. All right. Uh, one thing. Oh, you have a webpage. I should have asked. All right. Uh, give the address, please, once more, because I couldn't quite write it, which means they couldn't. So. Okay. The address is Paglini, P-A-G-L-I-N-I, uh-huh. at P.O. Box 57932 in Sherman Oaks, S-H-E-R-M-A-N, Oaks, O-A-K-S, California, 91413. Okay, and you have a website? Yes. Oh, my, I should have known that before. All right, what is your website, please, and we'll get a link up to it. It is www.mysticalblend.com. Uh, that's www.mysticalblend, one word, one word. dot com. And what is there? The uh, catalog that I sent you. Yes. That has all this wonderful information on herbs and essential oils and some tools that people can use in order to help achieve their desired goals. There are two forms of the craft. One is a protective form. Yes. uh, Is it not? And the other is, um, for lack of a better word, I guess, an offensive form. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, by far, I would think the greatest percentage of practice would be in the uh, defensive form. Yes, it is. But if you have knowledge, you are able to do both. That's the idea. All right. Um, one more question, then we're going to the phones. Um, 
Evelyn, you mentioned that as long as one is attempting to enhance one's career and or wealth without malice, it's okay. Yes, it is. Absolutely. He goes on, how about those who use the occult in their pursuit of international trade deals, sell access to information pertaining to national security and trade policy, which can severely damage a nation's sovereignty? In other words, they're asking, is your view purely globalist, or would such a uh, an action uh, as selling one's uh, secrets, the secrets of one's nation, be an evil thing? That would be an evil thing. That is not acquiring or attempting to acquire prosperity or money or better business or recognition or fame in order to help your loved ones, your colleagues, and mankind in general. In other words, I said before, God doesn't want you to be poor, but that doesn't mean because you have riches that you are supposed to use that in order to inflict pain on others mm-hmm. or cause them or, or jeopardize them or put them in danger. It's, again, once you acquire the tool and you know what it can do, how do you use it? That's where the evil or the Satan comes in and tempts you. You're not tempted unless you have the power to do something. All right, here we go. Money's power. Yeah, it is. You're damn right it is. Um, first time caller line, you're on the air with Evelyn Paglini. Hello. 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 Um, yeah. where, where are you? I'm in, I'm in Madera, California. All right. Um, Dr. Paglini, it's great to finally hear somebody who makes a lot of sense regarding this because when I was a lot younger, it was stuff like this. I mean, I got so many mixed opinions about it, and you just make it all sound clear. And Art, it's great to be finally be on the show. Um, before I ask my question, can I go ahead and give a little background about myself? Uh, if you think it's relevant. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm 16. And I just recently started, you know, I just started dabbling in some of the lesser workings of what um, some might call the occult, you know, the tarot and, palm, and you know, palmistry and stuff like that. Originally, I was just doing it as a, as a means to get attention at my school. And the first reading I did was for my mother. And that really turned me on to this whole thing because it was just so clear. And so my question is, you know, now that I'm winding in some of the deeper stuff, um, there's not too many covens around here. There's nobody to really tutor me. So with the stuff that's in bookstores right now, um, could I possibly, is there anything I could gleam off of that, or is that just a lot of runaround? There are excellent books out there, and just because you can't find a coven, there are many learning exchanges and universities and organizations out there that certainly have those classes available to you with very fine instructors. Evelyn, it's not like you can open the yellow pages under covens, you know. Right, and, uh, right. And just find one. How, how, just as a matter of curiosity. Psychology and organizations and, and paranormal organizations and find them. So they are, they are, they can be located. Yes, You've just got to know where to look. All right, that young fellow was 16 years of age, again, referring back to the craft, mm-hmm. and to uh, many, many stories of poltergeists and, uh, unusual activity, things flying through the air, uh, weird stuff going on. It seems like young people, particularly young women, teenage girls, uh, seem to have an aura of power about them. Is there anything to that? Yes, very much so. We are definitely raising our vibration and our consciousness. Latent psychic ability, which all people have, is rising to the surface. Many people have been having precognition. They have been having very intuitive and prophetic dreams. And so, therefore, our sixth sense or our insight or second sight is rising to the surface 
by leaps and bounds, and the younger generation is showing it even more profusely. Mm -hmm. A wild card line, you're on the air with Evelyn Paglini, doctor, actually. Welcome to the program. Where are you, please? Uh, yes. Oh, I can barely hear you. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Where are you? I'm in Deer Trail, Colorado. Okay. Okay, um, I think I wanted to make more of an observation than a question. I am Wiccan Christian, and I have young children, and I am in the process of teaching them discipline of thinking. Oh, gosh, I guess what I want to say is to, to discipline them to not think negatively. Um, I think it needs to be expressed that, especially for teenagers, that this is not a game. You must be careful with what you're working with. This is a very real energy. And without even intending to, you can send a negative energy to someone without meaning to. Um, that is not a game. It is a discipline. That's a very good point. Um, Evelyn, is it possible that somebody who is a natural uh, can harm others subconsciously, almost subconsciously, not consciously. In other words, uh, again, uh, I keep going back to motion pictures, but you remember Carrie, mm -hmm. of course. And uh, this young girl was persecuted by many around her in many ways. And finally, not fully consciously, but in the beginning, subconsciously, began to lash out and hurt people with her power. Absolutely. It has been done for a long time and it is on the increase today and she's very correct that's what I talked about when I said my training that is the discipline that is required and yes you can start the child in infancy three four years old as I began and therefore the discipline becomes inherited and ingrained and the more power and knowledge that they achieve the more balance they have because of the structure and the foundation that they have been given. And any person that's an adult that goes out to seek or this quest has to make sure that the tutor or the master or the guru that they definitely are going to be involved with is in balance. And the best way to find that out is to test them. And how is that done? Watch them in action watch them in front of others that are possibly within the society or the group and see how they treat them, how they react, what they will do against them, what they will do for them, what knowledge they will expose, what uh, will they extract. Evelyn, have, uh, are you able to recognize another practitioner when you are in their presence? Yes, I am. Is this just something you feel? Is it yeah, something you know? It's a no. It's a vibration. It's huh? a vibration. It's a knowing. It's an energy. Have you ever met anybody who scared you? I would have to say when I was in Jamaica, uh, yes, I met a person that certainly would have to be a a person who was crossed over and given themselves to evil. The, the vibration reeked of it. The power was substantial. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Where are you calling from, please? I'm calling from Elmore, Ohio. Yes, sir. My name is Zachary. Um, it's an honor to speak with both of you. I've really enjoyed your show tonight. Thank you. Um, I'm 20 years old, and I've always been interested in this subject. Um, I've kind of been 
thirsty for knowledge of it from a very early age, and all I've had to go by was the media, such as, you know, film and stuff, which you've referred to a lot tonight. Um, but I was able to get a hold of a book called The Power of the Witch by Lori Cabot, and uh, it was an incredibly resourceful book, and in it she talks about a state called Alpha, in which you can tap into your psychic powers uh, and talk with goddesses and stuff. And uh, she tells you in the book to close your eyes and open your mind's eye, which you're supposed to picture in the center of your forehead. And it says it takes practice, and I tried it. And it, it seemed to, my eyes wanted to open, and she said that would happen because you are trained to only see with your eyes open. You cannot, you're, you are telling yourself that you can't see with your, with your eyes closed because, you know, we're brought up to believe that, you know, you you can only see what's in front of you. And um, it actually happened, and it, you, suppo you supposedly can travel out of your body and see things. I guess that would be technically flying. You're talking about a second sight or soul travel? Yes, yes. Uh, all right, that's a good question. We've discussed that any, uh, in many ways on this program, Evelyn. Um, such thing possible? Uh, yes, very much so. The only thing I'm going to say is that uh, him having difficulty... Uh, with his eyes being closed and wanting to be open, what you can do is there is a technique that when you drop yourself, see you have four brain wave levels, beta, alpha, theta, delta. Alpha is your creativity and inspiration. And what you are attempting to achieve is that level. A deep meditation will bring you to that level. And once you are there, your inner eye, your second eye, will definitely open. Now, that has nothing to do with astral projection. All right, astral projection is another technique. And you can travel astrally, spiritually. You can also mentally travel. And that is an entirely different technique. But once you achieve the levels of meditation, yes, those doors will open for you and you can do quite a bit. Uh, something many have asked when we touch on this topic, uh, Doctor, is that when you're out of your body or your soul is out of your body, mm -hmm. uh, you are subject or more subject to possible outside influences. In other words, you open yourself to... Other dimensions, other beings, and that's why you need to put usually a, a shield of protection or ask a spirit guide to come in and assist you. Uh -huh. All right. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Hello. Good evening. I'm calling from Washington State. Washington State. All right. Speak up good and loud for us. All right. I'm pleased to hear you discussing this topic. I heard Evelyn the first time she called into your show. Late in a show, yes. Yes. And I did miss the first 45 minutes of this show. Uh, I'd like to ask two questions. First of all, Evan, Evelyn, I have not heard you say specifically that you are a witch. Are you indeed a witch? I do not belong to any Wiccan organization. I did say that in the beginning. I am Genesean, which is another pagan religion a little older than witchcraft. I see. That's but when he said Wiccan, which is the craft of the wise, because I am a practitioner of natural magic, I would indeed have to say that I am Wiccan. I see. Um, my other question is, how do you feel about the new pagan movement and all the different sorts of 
groups and practices that are defining themselves as I think it's wonderful. As long as people's soul is on an evolutionary positive cycle of growth, getting back to nature and the elements is positive. Yes, I And I don't care if it's Dianic or Gardnerian or Saxon or Hecate. I don't care what it is. As long as you get back to nature and the elements, and as long as you have spiritual growth and balance within your soul, then you're fine. There are many paths that lead to God. You know, yeah. some go around the mountain, some go through the mountain, some go over a mountain, and there are those who know there's no mountain there at all. Hmm. Yes, I agree. Uh, again, I'd like to say I'm pleased to hear this subject being discussed. Uh, I've been a practitioner for 18 years. Oh, you have? Yes. What led you to it? Um, uh, when I stumbled upon the information, uh, what led me to it in the first place actually was a roommate who introduced me to it. And um, I had the feeling of remembering and being comfortable and at home. It seemed natural to me. Uh, the principles and, and ethics and ways of practicing that seemed natural. Very natural. I appreciate your call, Evelyn. Are there many? Are there more naturals today uh, than there were, or fewer? What's happening in the world? Because we are entering into, and have already entered, but we're only like seconds into the age of Aquarius. We have now the dawning of this age, and with it the evolution of spirituality. And people are definitely going to go back to nature and the elements. That's going home. That's touching the earth and its source and its force and its power. And when you do that, you touch God. All right. Evelyn, are you good for another hour? Sure. All right. Stay right where you are then. And we are seconds into it or hours, depending on your point of view, cosmically, just a blink of the eye. Good morning from the high desert. We'll be looking at the mirror situation. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from July 16th, 1997.
Premier Radio Networks presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired July 16, 1997. Morning. My guest is Dr. Evelyn Paglini. And we're talking about the craft. And one last warning for those of you uh, who might have just tuned in. This sort of thing disturbs you. Tune out. Don't listen. I nevertheless will no doubt get complaints. It comes with the territory, I suppose. But be warned. That's what we're discussing. More in a moment. Dr. Evelyn Paglini is my guest, and we are discussing the craft. And uh, we'll get back to your calls in a moment, uh, monitoring also the ongoing situation with the Mir space station. Uh, fairly serious. Russians are saying not as serious as we seem to believe it is, and we're awaiting this breaking news story. Uh, doctor, um, I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, all my life, um, I wanted uh, a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. Not a glass ball, a crystal ball. Uh, and there's a funny little story that goes with this. A very good friend of mine who knows a lot about radios and nothing at all about crystal balls, named Bob Crane, one of my sponsors and also a very good friend, went to the Orient. And I said, if you find a crystal ball, I'd sure love one. So he went over there. He was in Singapore, a very small town in Singapore. And he walked into this shop, and uh, Bob is not real good with currency conversion matters. Uh, he found a crystal ball, a real crystal ball, pure crystal, uh, utterly clear, and inquired of its price, and they uttered something or another in the, the currency of Singapore. And um, uh, Bob, Bob uh, said, I'll take it. And, well, um, the entire family of the person in the store uh, came out and began clapping him on the back, and they were having a feast and joyously celebrating the fact that he was going to take this crystal ball. Well, uh, Bob didn't have the heart not to buy it when he found out it was many, many hundreds of American dollars that he was about to pay out. Bottom line is, uh, he couldn't disappoint them, all these shiny little happy faces <laughs> were running out. And the bottom line is, I ended up with a crystal, a real true crystal ball, um, what is it about crystal, uh, what properties uh, does crystal have that make it uh, unusual? It is like a conductor, and it is, again, the vibratory rate. It is a window. It is a doorway. And so when you mentally focus and concentrate, it opens up that third eye, and it will actually produce scenes or images within that crystal ball to answer thoughts or questions that you have in your mind or that others would give to you. Huh. So it really... And, and, and that is not an exorbitant amount of money. Uh, I have known of crystals, depending on the inch in diameter, that have gone over a $1,000. Oh, Pure yes. crystal balls. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, so he, th- that was not an exorbitant amount of money. He got a very good deal. Uh, well, he did. He was just really surprised. <laughs> it was actually one of the funnier stories I've heard in a long time. Uh, first time caller line, your turn with Dr. Evelyn Daglini. Hello. Hi, uh, my name is Sasha. I'm from Columbia, Missouri. I'm 21 years old, and uh, I'm an Aquarius also. Um, 
I have a couple questions, actually. Uh, my first one is um, I feel a lot of energy and anxiety. I also take antidepressants, and um, I feel like I'm a bit psychic somewhat. I was wondering um, if you could uh, help me in my youth uh, get a handle on this a little bit better. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, let me translate. You can certainly answer this question, but there are... Doctor, many people, it seems to me, who are diagnosed with some sort of mental malady uh, because they have some sort of special insight or hear or see things that others do not. Not all of them are paranoid schizophrenics, are they? No, they are not. And like I said, more and more they are rising to the surface, these latent psychic abilities and these intuitions and these visions and precognition uh, also in dreams. So uh, as far as him getting a handle on it, what he has to realize is that it is real and that it is happening and that he can learn to control it and to manifest it at will and then to utilize it. I had, in my, in my entire life, I've only had one incident of precognition, and it was clearly that, and I had no power over it. I, it had power over me. I couldn't ignore it. It came washing over me like gigantic waves crashing over someone until I could no longer ignore it. I've never been able to repeat it. I wouldn't begin to know how. I don't know why I had it. It just happened. Uh, is that the way it happens to the layperson? To most people, yes, until they start to open themselves up and actually train themselves to have it. A good form and way of allowing it to expand is to keep a journal and when you start getting information or hits or intuitiveness to write down the experiences and what you are seeing or feeling and then as they come to fruition what it does is it gives the mind permission to expand and give you more I see all right uh, wild card line you're on the air with dr. Evelyn Paglini hello hello there hello Yes, hello. Turn your radio off, please. Yes, I have a question for her. All right, turn your radio off, please, or we cannot proceed. Okay, um, what it is is that... Um, Goodbye. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Hello. Hi, I'm, I'm here. Is this Art Bell? Yes. Hi, um, I haven't shared this with many people because the only way I can share it is is for people to say, well, prove it. And... My only way to prove it is by doing something terrible. Um, I was given a gift at a young age that I I did not believe that I could possibly do until I did it. I I had the ability. Um, it's going to sound very hard to believe, but it's true. I could have people back it up. Uh, my I don't know if you want to call them third-hand victims. Um, I can tell them something is ha going to happen to them, and in malice. It would happen. I've had, you know, uh, one incident I can recall, which was in high school. I was being bothered by a bully, and I told him, I said, your rest of your week is going to be just as much hell as my, just, just my yesterday was. I said, your whole rest of your week is going to be more hell than anything was. I just said that as a dare, as a threat. He was walking home that day for no reason at all. He, he was, he was jumped. He was, a, he was attacked. Um, he was picked on for the rest of the week. He was ridiculed by fellow students, uh, classmates. All these bad things started happening to him. He started bad luck, not just to him, but to his family. 
I got called into the principal's office, and I did not even know what was going on. I, and I found out about it. I said, uh, I did not set this guy up. I said, I just said, said it as, as a threat. Nobody expected this out of me. I've, I've done some other things where, uh, like just recently, for some reason, some aura told me to walk up to this pregnant woman. I walked up to her. I looked at her. And I said, I want you to raise your hands in the air. It's, I guess I get this from my mother because she dabbled in witchcraft. And I looked at her, and I said, now put your hands down. I said, you're going to have a girl. And I said, you're going to name her Cheyenne Marie. And she just looked at me, and she started wanting to scream. She had tears in her eyes. And she said, that is exactly, I never met this woman before in my life. She said, that is exactly the name that we picked up for our child. Huh. And we just found out what the sex of the child was. There's some several other things that I've done out of malice, not to go into detail, but because I didn't know what I was doing as far as getting into seances and doing things like this, and I'm repeating what I've seen my other relatives do, it has come back to me in a terrible way. Yeah, well, there you are. Uh, that's exactly what we've been talking about all night. If you do it out of malice, uh, without justification, it comes back to you times ten. In what way did it come back to you? Well, I am so far in, in debt now that I never get myself out. I, I'm getting, I'm sick left and right. I've never got. I usually I would be lucky if I mean not lucky. You know, I would only get a slight cold maybe once a year. Yep. Now I'm catching colds. I'm catching flus. Um, yep. I, you know, I can't control sometimes uh, bodily functions and and what have you. It, it comes back to me like like um, I remember one time um, I was on a uh, I was on the football team in, in high school and there's a guy who ran faster than me and I had wished something against him. Now for some reason I have um, some sort of skin in, skin inflammation and the doc the doctors can't explain it. I even thought for possibility some way. If there was Agent Orange, which I had contracted from my father, who served in Vietnam. All right, hold, hold it there. I think we get the picture. Uh, doctor, let's say that uh, there's somebody like this man who has something returning to him times ten. Is there anything to be done? Is there anything he can do to stop this karmic return? Well, first of all, what he needs to do is a cleansing and then after doing that cleansing, he has to do an appeasement so that he can step out of that which he had perpetrated in guilt and restore it back in likeness or in kindness or in goodness. And he would have to make that vow to do so. And then just as they have appeared, they would begin to be dissolved and destroyed. But it is a, it is a process. But yes, he, he can get help. So what he probably ought to do is to find somebody like you. Yep. Contact me. Um, and since we've come to that point, how again do people contact you? Uh, please lay it out. By email, it is qep at msn.com. And snail mail is Taglini, P A G. L-I-N-I at P.O. Box 579932, Sherman Oaks, California, 91413. In your email address, QEP, yes. 
I understand the EP, Evelyn Paglini. What is the Q? Question. <laughs> That's very good. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Hello. Hi, this is uh, Debbie from Orange County. Hello, Debbie. Hi, I called you about a week or so ago and then um, expressed my gratitude about what a satisfied woman I was to you. I recall. Yeah, okay, thank you. Also, Dr. Paglini, I spoke to you once on CRN uh, around New Year's Eve and tried to give a prediction. <laughs> yes, I remember. Okay, um, anyway, my question is far from this. Um, I want to ask you if, if you deal with pets. With what? Pets. Cats. Oh, pets. Yeah. In, in regard to what? With animals in regard okay, to Okay, I have, or possibly, I even hate to even say it, I had three cats. Two were 11 years old, one is nine. Um, my 11-year-old male got out about a week ago and um, hasn't been heard or seen from since. We thought that we possibly saw him so terrible by the side of the road, but he was so distorted and big and bloated. Perhaps it was denial. Um, I don't know. Are you asking whether she finds lost pets? Well, no. Um, I, I, I'm getting to my point. Okay. Uh, the point is I have a, the female, the nine-year-old female, has been literally a Klingon to me in the last week. I, I cannot move without her following me. I can't sit down without her jumping on me. I can't lay down without her laying on me. Um I, I know that, that uh, animals, pests in particular, have a, a particular sixth sense. Um, I just want to know what this is all about. I just want an answer. Well, well, first of all, the cat seems to be reacting to the loss of a loved one, and therefore it is naturally, like any other child, would be clinging to its mother or its authority figure. And so that's why it's not leaving you alone. It's very frightened. So the answer also senses the loss. So the, the answer may be simple: comfort the animal. You know, I, I don't know what else to say. First time caller line. You're on the air with Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Hello. Hi. Um, where are, Where are you? I'm from. I'm in Sa Sacramento. Okay, you're going to have to speak up good and loud. Get into that phone and yell at us a little bit. All right. I'm from Sacramento. Uh, my name's Susan. And is it, Art, is this you? Yes. Oh, you sound a little different on the phone. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I want to ask you one question that I want to ask um, Dr. Pagrini, another one. Go ahead. Um, I was wondering about the crop circles, and I was looking in a dictionary that I have, um, stating the symbols and, and things. We'll ask about that. Okay. Okay. And um, so I was kind of wondering about the symbols, you know, like the thunderstorm, the direction symbols, uh, annual symbols, you know, like the circle and then the dot in the middle, stuff like that. Okay, you have a question for uh, Dr. Paglini? Yes, um, like that gentleman that saw um, a round ball type of energy force. Um, I had an experience in my kitchen about 3 in the morning one day, and uh, uh, I was very much awake, but I felt this energy. I, could, I didn't see it, but I felt it, and I felt its size. 
And um, I was just standing there, and it was like about uh, three feet away from me. And then all of a sudden, it came into me, kind of like um, exploded, you know. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a bad feeling or anything. It was just, in fact, it was like a euphoric type of feeling, like um, you would experience when you were um, with your husband or your boyfriend, or you know what I'm saying. Um, and then all of a sudden, it left. Like a sexual experience. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then it shot out. Now um, that was that was like that was a reality thing that happened um, about six months prior to that. I had a dream where I was um, in a dream, and all of a sudden, you know, I was on the beach and everything. And all of a sudden, this lightning bolt type of energy force shot right through my whole body and like energized me. And I just didn't know what it was, and I was kind of I was kind of nervous because the day after this had happened physically in the in the real world, um, I was supposed to go to a spirit guide class. So I was kind of wondering, you know, like what that was. She knows. All right. Uh, the first one was very interesting. Um, what could she have experienced? Well, if it was non-threatening, and she was saying that it was more euphoric and something more that when you were around someone that you love, she may have had a person that has crossed over that is a relative that loves her very much and wanted to comfort her and to guide her and to protect her and to make her aware that the quest or the door that she was about to open that she or he would also be with them. What, uh, what part uh, of magic uh, does sex play? Sex is a very powerful thing in its own right, and it does have a connection, does it not? Oh, very much so. In fact, if you abstain from sex, you can use the sexual drive, the energy oh. in magic. It is very, very powerful. In other words, that, that unfulfilled need is a power in itself that can be directed? That is absolutely... Right on. <laughs> You're getting it. You're <laughs> yeah, getting it. I'm afraid You're good. Be, uh, uh, wild Card Line, you're on the air with Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Hello. Hello. Uh, this is Dan in Virginia. Yes, sir. Dr. Paglini, uh, we have a big event that's being uh, referred to that's supposed to happen July 20th, and, you know, with the pyramids lining up, you know, oh, on yes. Mars and so forth. And then a sacred ceremony that's supposed to take place, I think, in the pyramid itself. And I'm just wondering if you have any um, insight into that, or, or what is your sense of what's going to happen here in the next week? Are there sacred uh, days and times? We have just begun to open the door to so many wonderful things that are going to be discovered so many insights of ancient wisdom that are going to be displayed before us. Some will shock us. Some will be will shock us into reality. And yes, there is going to be many days that are in the months to come, including the 20th of this month, that are going to hurl us into the future. All right. Well, that'll give them something to think about for a while. The discussion is about the craft. If you have questions, we've got 30 more minutes. We shall return. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from July 16th, 1997.
Somewhere in time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from July 16th, 1997. Good morning. Evelyn Paglini, Dr. Evelyn Paglini, is my guest. We are discussing the craft. And uh, final warning, I guess, those of you who are disturbed by this should tune it out. Easy to do. It's the knob right there. So uh, don't torture yourself. You know. Go do something else. Uh, updating you on the Mir situation. Um, Art, the embattled Mir space, uh, space station suffered another blow Thursday when the crew was making routine preparations to repair the Mir's already damaged power systems. They apparently accidentally disconnected a cable supplying power to the orientation system which directs the solar panels to the sun. The error led to virtually a complete power cut in all systems. Must have scared the hell out of them. I'm getting late word that they have reconnected the power. It's back on, and in due course, the station will again stabilize and begin to track the sun. So that is the late news. Uh, back now to my guest, Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Doctor? Yes, I'm here. Okay, so are a lot of people who would like to uh, talk to you. Um, first time caller line, you're on the air with Dr. Paglini. Hello. Hello, Art. This is Jean from Edmonds, Washington. Yes. I have a question for Dr. Paglini. About two years ago, uh, July 3rd to be exact, I woke up with a lot of stains on my hands, and it looked like I was holding tight to something, both hands. And I didn't tell anyone about it. took three days to scrub them off. And then exactly ten days later, I woke up with the same stains on my hands. This time I took a Polaroid picture and went to a friend and showed her the stains. And she said, Jean, you have them on your feet also. And it looks like they're little drawings on your feet. I have tried to incorporate this in my life and move to the present place where I live now. Last September, woke up again, brown stains on my feet. And I wanted to know if uh, you have any insight into this. Have you ever heard of such a thing, Doctor? Yes, I have. And uh, depending on the circumference and the design, she may indeed be being made contact by a being. I would have to have a lot more information to be able to give her a bona fide judgment. But, well, I will uh, call you in Sherman yeah, Yes, please do. And I'll I do thank and, you. And give me some insight into the dimension and the 
uh, arrangement, how many of them are there, and what is the, what does it look like, or give me the pictures of what it looks like, and I'll be able to tell you. I certainly will do that, and I thank you very much. You're welcome, Jim. All right, thank you. Um, Wildcard Line, you're on here with Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Hello. 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 Um, my, it's not really a question, it's kind of a situation. Um, what it is is that I was living with somebody who committed suicide, and um, this person that, well, we were very much in love, and I had decided to, things had gotten kind of possessive and obsessive. Yes. I decided to kind of slack it off a little bit. Yes. I had told him that we needed... The night that it happened, I told him that we needed to live apart for a while. Yes. Um, he went home. He called me where I was, asked me when I'd be home. I told him in a little while. I came home 45 minutes later, and I found him hanging from our staircase. Oh, my God. Uh, the... um, I know I don't know what you're going to think about. I, I don't know, really, if you have anybody that tells you about these things, but... Um, ever since then, it's like it's, it's an overpowering and overwhelming feeling that the man is here. He's always here. He's always around. And it just, it won't leave. I can't be alone in one place. I can't sleep alone in a place. I can't do anything alone in one place because I have a he has an there. And it's... All right, ma'am. Uh, listen, please. Yeah, uh, this spirit must be exercised only because what it's doing is it's trying to get her to join him. And I'm sure she's already felt that. Has she not? I don't know. Ma'am, have you? Have I what? Have, uh, didn't you hear what she just said? No, I didn't hear what she said. Uh, she said, this, you, you need an exorcism. This person is trying to get you to join them. Have you felt that? Yes. Well, that's your answer then. No, that's not my answer. I, I yes, yes, that is your answer, ma'am. You need an exorcism. Do you know what an exorcism is? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. Can you tell me, I mean, we, I mean, we loved each other. I mean, why, why is he, I mean, is he there for a good, a good purpose or is it bad? All right. I, again, depending on what you're feeling when that presence is around you, if it is a feeling of being very drained and very tired, then what he is doing is he is pulling your energy. And if you are being uplifted, revitalized, and rejuvenated, then he would be there to help you and assist you and to guide you. But the way you were talking and the energy that you were giving me, it was sounded like he was asking you to join him. Well, she said that. Um, she said that. Uh, so, uh, obviously, um, she needs somebody who would tend to this sort of thing. Um, so the subject of suicide, uh, what would you say about that? Unfortunately, karmically, he will have to come back and he will finish out the prescribed amount of time that he was supposed to be on this planet. Okay. So he will reincarnate quickly. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Hello. Yeah, good morning, Art. Morning. And thanks, first of all, thanks for your show. I love it, and thanks so much for playing that particular bumper tune. It's my favorite. Uh, doctor, I got a question for you. I don't want to seem uh, smart alecky or impertinent, but I've heard so many, what I would term a witch, so many witches say that they are also Christians, 
Ma'am, I don't understand how you all can do that because and why you would want to pay lip service and, and give that good advertising to that religion because it's Old Testament, first of all, says, and I quote, suffering kind of witch to live, and I realize the Christians are injuncted from actually doing that unless they're sinless now. But still in all, that says that what you do is, is terribly evil, and I wouldn't associate it myself with anything that said I was terribly evil. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Again, because I have realized that there are many religions out there, each religion is trying to achieve the same thing as I am, and right. that is the communion with the God force or the goddess, whichever you want to call it. And can I interrupt at this point and say that Having said that all roads lead to Rome, so to speak, why not pick another one that doesn't say you're evil and, and give them the good... Uh, Do you realize truth? that there are so many religions out there that are misunderstood, and so because of it, those people are supposed to forsake their belief and their culture and their form of praying to their God only because it does not agree with another? There have well, been it, many religions that evil, came long, sir, there has been many religions it. that have come long before Christianity. Christianity is a babe in the woods. It's only a couple of thousand years old. That's true, but it basically okay, so you're going to find that there has been religion. No, we're not talking evil. See, you're equating well, it, witchcraft it with evil. evil. I don't think you're evil. I'm an atheist, and I don't think you're no, evil. No, I'm saying most people out there will equate witchcraft with, with evil, evil, and that's a shame. And that's because, because I've met of many people who are not. religion. Pardon me? That's because of the Christian religion that they've done that. There are other religions that have done that, too, and that's okay because we are becoming more enlightened. And becoming more enlightened and more spiritual will become more tolerant of each other's religions. I told you, honey, we are the human race. Right. And the, the religion you, all, is all the religions religion. are your culture. Really, as a human being, and... Uh, well, I didn't want to start an argument. I just wanted to ask you how you could uh, square that. And uh, basically, like I said, I'm an atheist, but if I had to pick a religion, I would probably pick craft religion. It's the most charming of them all. There Thanks. is so many wonderful things that belong to each religion. When you really get into the heart and the soul of a philosophy of a religion, they all sing the same tune. Yeah. Just raise your vibration. They all sing the same tune, and it's the music of the spheres. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Hello. Hi, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, first of all, I could say I really enjoy your show. Thank you. Where are you? I'm in Seattle, Washington, okay. and I'm actually calling on a VTech 900 NDS. <laughs> all right. Um, doctor, uh, I have been told through most of my adult life that I give off a certain energy and that people can actually sense it. Mm -hmm. um, what would that be construed as and how can I figure out why I have it? First of all, what it construed as is a vibration. There are many times you'll walk into a room and you will sense certain people and actually be repelled by their energy. You will want to get away. There are others who will magnetize you. And what you are doing is you are sending off or sending out that vibration or that energy. 
which is either going to attract or repel. I see. And what you need to do is to learn how to control it. In other words, if you are overpowering people with your vibration, then you need to bring it on down, close it down. Think of a thermometer okay, and bring the energy level down so this way you are not offensive. They are not picking up that vibration unless you want them to. Then raise the thermometer, honey, <laughs> and everybody in your room will know you're there. Yes, I do understand that. All right. I have uh, I've, I've been in that situation uh a doctor, where I walk into a room and there is somebody there, and before they even open their mouth, I know that I, I want to be clear and out and away from them and nothing to do with them. That is correct. That's vibration. A uh, vibration, huh? That is right. You are sending off. See, the body, the aura, sends off a vibration. It is emitted. And those that are sensitive immediately will pick up. Those that have a real strong vibration can be repelled by it, can find it offensive. Others will use it as a magnet. All right. First time caller line, you're on the air with Dr. Paglini. Good morning. Good morning to you, or good morning, doctor. Where are you? I'm in San Marcos. Okay. San Diego. Um, my question is this. A couple of months ago, I was sleeping with one of my cats, and we both woke up at the same time, knowing to turn towards the window because something was staring at us. And when I turned, I wasn't afraid but it was um, kind of like in a black and white outfit, the whole body with big eyes and kind of crouching down, looking at us. And yet I didn't feel afraid. But yet the only thing I wanted to look for was, did this thing have horns? You know, was it the devil, which I don't believe in? Well, first of all, it was your inner sense that was actually communicating with it and trying to see is it something of evil or negativity or is it something that is benevolent or is it something that is just trying to make contact exactly it's exactly how i felt yeah you were very right in doing mm. so very good do you have any idea what it could have been if you did not see horns mm -mm. then what you had was especially if it was humanoid then you had a discarnate entity that was trying to make contact with you you know, that was not humanoid, then we'll go into something else. That's that's the question right there because the whole body, I'll say that maybe it was maybe about five feet tall, mm -hmm. um, strong build, and the what it was the colors were black and white and they were all in hearts, but in a perfect pattern. And yet these wonderful big eyes, and it was so curiously staring at me. Again, my feeling would be one that it is not negative, it is positive. I feel that it would be also something that might also be able to teach you. And so therefore, definitely it is attempting to make contact. Get yourself a journal, start keep teaching yourself to take down notes. You will see that there will be, um, oh, I would say, Things that may be planted in your mind and therefore jot them down. They are not thoughts of your own. They are being definitely put in there. Keep a journal and give me a call. Huh. Interesting. In other words, uh, many, many people may be controlled and certainly wouldn't be aware of it unless they begin to document it. Absolutely. Fascinating. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Dr. Paglini. Hello. Yes, uh, uh, 
Yes. Uh, hi, uh, Tammy from Bakersfield. Yes, Tammy. Yes, and um, one thing I, I've been very, very puzzled over is I have been um, for for many years thinking very seriously about doing past life regression. Um, basically, um, due to my family, they sometimes tell me that once in a while, when I am talking in my sleep, yes. that I'm speaking in an entirely different language. Oh. Right. And uh, I'm speaking in tongues. Tongues, yeah. Yeah. Very definitely, uh, you could get a hypnotist, hypnotist that is into regression therapy. He would first take you back into your childhood to find out if you had been exposed to that language, and then he would regress you into another incarnation to find out just exactly where it came from. There may also be some kind of maladies that you are experiencing or fears or phobias that you are experiencing in this lifetime that can be attributed to a past incarnation. I do therapeutic hypnosis, so I know of which I speak. All right. You've taken people into past lives. Yes, I have. Is there any question about it? Uh, is there any doubt about it? No, I've had it verified. We've done documentation. This has always intrigued me. I have talked to many who have done the same thing, and they do claim that they can gather evidence under hypnosis, yes. specific evidence, and then go and confirm and check it out. that and yeah. check it out, yeah. and it checks out. It does. That would seem to confirm the whole uh, reincarnation business. Uh, Doctor, we're coming to the end of the, uh, the time. It's just flown by, um, so I would like to give you an opportunity to give out whatever contact information. Now, we've got a web page link to your web page on our site now. My email is qep at msn.com, and to write me, it's paglini, P-A-G-L-I-N-I, at P-O box. Five seven nine three two Sherman Oaks two words California nine one four one three and may I state one more thing? You may. If anybody out there wants to get the edge on their future, buy the book The Quickening, not just for <sighs> yourself but for a loved one, because it should be in every person's home. And I do mean if you want to get the edge on your future and know what's happening, get the book, The Quickening. Oh, that's very kind, Doctor. Thank you. Um, and, uh, and thank you for spending so much time with us. Uh, My pleasure. We, we will again one day do it. Uh, thank you, Doctor. You're welcome. Good night. Good night. From the high desert, I'm Art Bell. Good night.